I discovered that the boxes that the tubes of glue came in had a really crisp looking logo, although it was printed on cardboard. So I scanned it, bootlegged my own shirt, because Brian was telling me there was a strain of weed called Gorilla Glue, which I guess oh. means it glues your ass to the couch. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, uh, they no longer, uh, the funny thing is, they no longer call it that. Right. The strain is now just. GG or glue because evidently legal <laughs> troubles with Gorilla Glue. They didn't like. Who would have thought? <laughs> they didn't like some weed strain. The beef. perils of legalizing. Am I right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I bet they never thought that. Oh well. <laughs> as part of introing this, should we mention that it's Valentine's Day as we record? Sure. And yet somehow we're here instead of. With our lovely wives, what, what, how did you two get away with that? I got to ask. You asked me. I got to say, after a year of quarantine, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. does Valentine's really mean anything anymore? Does anything? I'm saying, do you want to be in the same room <laughs> anymore? Not really. Do you just need an excuse to get out? How we haven't murdered one another? <laughs> I'm waiting for it. Oh, man. And the only reason I asked Jolien is, is just for the listeners. But uh, how did you get away with it? <laughs> I just politely asked. Oh. <laughs> well, how English of you. <laughs> <laughs> I was carrying a baseball bat at the time, but that had nothing to do with it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, let's... let's uh, since he asked from across the room... Well, I, I well, let's consider this the witty banter part of the show uh, and intro it. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was as witty as it's going to get. I hope you recorded all that. I hit record a, a couple minutes ago. So, guys. Good. You ready? Listeners, you're listening yeah. to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where we three friends get together virtually until safe to do otherwise and uh, talk about a horror movie or in this case a few and we'll spoil those horror movies that recently watched we'll try not to spoil them too terribly much and we're not professional critics that's pretty apparent probably already and uh, we thank the moon rays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show you can find the music on apple music or uh, amazon where you could buy it digitally and say hello to them on facebook where they are the moon dash rays and guys, it is cold out. Did I just accidentally pick the right uh, time to record this? Oh, this is, yeah, you couldn't have planned it better. This is really good. I don't know how cold it is today. I haven't looked at the temperature. Yeah. I'm a little afraid to. Um, I, can tell, um, I can tell you if you want to know. Yeah, what, what's it say? Uh, Without looking at my phone. Minus two. Ooh. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah, a- I have the heat on in here, and it's it's not doing anything. We have all the heats on, all the radiators cranked, and it's freezing in the house. Are you burning the furniture, turning the stove on, all that kind of stuff? <clears throat> yeah. Were you ever like a poor student and you turned on the oven and just left the door open to try and heat your crappy apartment? Oh, yeah. I think I've done that in a few different places I've lived. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> For uh, English listeners, uh, when you say it's two degrees, that's Fahrenheit, right? Yeah, yeah. Which in uh, British measurements is somewhere between brass monkey and witch's tip. <laughs> 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 Oh, guys, I got to tell you, um, this this came up in my head, my evil little noggin, a few days ago. Um, you know how sometimes people mix metaphors and it just doesn't make any sense? Or they misuse a metaphor and it doesn't make any sense? Like when people say, oh, it gave me a, uh-huh. it gave me a pit in my stomach. No, <laughs> you got a feeling in the pit of your stomach. You, d- you didn't get a pit in your stomach. Um Maybe you're eating peaches. I don't know. Uh, there was a uh, a print shop I worked at in Hawaii that had locations all over the island. And I had to call the Pearl City location of these uh, uh, print shops. And as a nicety, I said, how is it over there? And the woman who answered said, oh, he's busier than a witch's tit over here. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what does that even mean to you? <laughs> say it out loud say it to yourself think about it for a moment <laughs> so i don't know maybe maybe the maybe the witch is a, a wet nurse in her off time and uh she's very busy taking care of uh small children who need nursed i don't know i don't know where that phrase comes from actually i know where uh, brass monkey comes from but where does that come from it's uh it's- from the Napoleonic Wars, it's uh, the artillery would keep their cannonballs ready in this brass pyramid. And, uh, of course, uh, when temperatures get extreme, metal expands or contracts. Yeah. And so uh, if it was cold enough to freeze the balls off a brass monkey, it was uh, the metal would contract and the ball would come out. Oh. Well, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. Huh. And I guess witches are supposed to be soulless and cold or something, and that would explain that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so be it. Yeah. Run but, around naked or skyclad all the time. Yeah. In the forest, you know, it gets quite chilly. Spoilers for the witch. Uh, there is some nudity at the end, and I don't know. <clears throat> if you want to wonder what that looks like, then just, uh, you know, skip forward to the end of the witch. So, who wants to go first? I went first last time. Recently watched. Jolien, you want to I kick it off? there's some nudity at the beginning of The Witch, too. Was there? I don't remember. Yeah, with all the baby mashing, you probably missed it, but I think she was nude. <laughs> <clears throat> well, that was the end of the... I mean, you, you just spoiled it, but... <laughs> ah, nobody's safe. Julian, you want to do recently watched? Okay, uh, let's see. I watched uh, the rhythm section, which came out last year. Um, uh, did you hear of this one? I don't think so. No. Uh, yeah, it came and went really fast. This is uh, 
directed by uh, Reed Moreau, um, describes on the uh, case as an action-packed thriller from the producers of James Bond, oh. because one of the producers was Barbara Broccoli and so on. It's not action-packed, uh, not particularly thrilling, uh, but the rest is accurate. Um, <laughs> the, the action bits that are in it are well done. Like, it's got this quite inventive car chase and, and so on. Uh, and there's this really impressive fight, uh, knife fight in there. Um, the, uh, the plot is like, uh, there's a whole bunch of silly action movie plots kind of jammed together, but taken really seriously. Um, so it, and it starts quite bravely uh, with uh, the, the hero is this, this woman and she's just hit rock bottom. She's like a junkie. Uh, she's a prostitute. She's in this uh, uh, brothel in London, and uh, so she looks absolutely terrible. And like, so like, much of the first half is about her um, rising out of that and uh, getting herself fit again and heading out on this mission. Um, is uh, uh, and and her mission. She gets trained by this uh, MI6 guy played by Jude Law, and uh, there's lots of jogging around in Scotland, which is uh, actually filmed in Ireland. And um, so she goes out on these uh, missions around Europe, uh, very sunny locations, where, where, and uh, mostly uh, she gets to kill a bunch of brown and black people and uh, finds peace. And... Uh, 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 so, uh, and for some reason, she dresses up as Elizabeth Frazier from um, the Cocteau Twins. She has these, like, big baggy done-up shirts with uh, <laughs> hair sticking out. Oh, um, looks, looks, looks very late 80s. Um, I, I couldn't figure out why she's doing that, because she doesn't blend in at all, <laughs> wherever she's going. Um, and uh, yeah, this uh, this movie uh, achieved a kind of record. It was the worst wide opening weekend of all time. Opened in three thousand theaters back in uh, February, and uh, and and just plunged like word of mouth was just so bad. And oh, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, the uh, the one it beat out was also directed by a woman, so it, it wasn't a very good. Uh, uh, mm. you know, mark on that, but uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the performances in it are really good. Uh, like uh, the hero is played by Blake Lively, um, so she has to go all this, through all this uh, self transformation in it. And you've got Jude Law in it, you know, Sterling K. Brown in it, um, and it, it all looks very good. But uh, it, it's not ex not exciting apart from the odd action scene uh also watch this uh, uh movie from 1950 called the secret fury it's um don't know if you call it noirish it's very paranoid it's, it's more of a gaslighting plot mm. um this is directed by mel ferrer um stars claudette colbert and robert ryan uh he, he's very uh he's very quiet in this one he's not his usual like uh you know crazy <laughs> killer <laughs> self you know from the yeah. film noirs and uh, Jose Ferrer in it he's, he's no relation to Mel Ferrer but he's in it too um, 
David Barbour is in it. Uh, he's he's a jazz guitarist, and uh, he was uh, he was Peggy Lee's husband in real life for a while. Um, Percy Hilton is one of the great character actors. He turns up in it. Um, he played uh, Doc Kennedy in Kiss Me Deadly. Oh, um, cool. But anyway, she's getting gaslit, and uh, uh, she's she's about to get married to Robert Ryan. And they ask, "Is is everyone anyone have any objections to this union?" And someone actually stands up and says, "Yeah, she's she's married already." And so they uh, she heads out on this to to find out if she was actually married before because she has no recollection, and she comes across all these people who say, "Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, I got you married. Oh yeah, you stayed at my hotel and so on." And uh, so she she's uh, she, she thinks she's going crazy. Um, there's a there's a long court scene in the middle that kind of drags it down, but it pays off with this really good slashery climax. Um, like the, there's this killer that has a garrote, which is a pretty nasty weapon for the for this time period. Yeah. Um, so there's you know, uh, Vivian Vance, she was in I Love Lucy. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's, this, there's a scene, she, she's playing this, like, uh, nurse who sneaks off into the laundry room to have a smoke. And uh, so she's in there, she's, she's like, uh, stripped down to her underwear. And, uh, and then this uh, killer is in the foreground, and he's got his gloves on, and he's got his garrote. You know, it's just a classic slasher poster image. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. And then that, then there's, uh, there's a scene where... Um, Someone's in the car and the killer's in the back seat. You know, it's it's like the urban legend thing. Um, so it's got some really good bits in it, and the and the ending is just uh, uh, pleasingly nutty. Um, so I enjoyed that one. Wow! So, uh, so it had uh, Ethel. Sorry, it, it was Ethel from uh, I Love Lucy, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, now Jose Ferrer isn't that Miguel Ferrer's dad? I believe so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So but he's he's not related to Mel Ferrer, who is the director of this movie, right? No, <laughs> but there is some lineage, and uh, not all listeners would know this, but um, uh, Miguel Ferrer, who you might know from Twin Peaks, I think his character was named Albert, and he was a real jerk, um, but he's a very cool actor. Uh, was uh, cousins with uh, George Clooney? Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a whole Hollywood connection there that uh the previous generation you know you had uh, rosemary clooney was uh george's aunt and and uh, right <laughs> and uh jose ferrer was miguel's dad so you know second generation um, yeah apart from that uh while we're having dinner we watched expedition bigfoot and oh. uh didn't watch the whole thing but while i was watching it they didn't find bigfoot but, you know, as I said, I didn't didn't watch the whole thing. I'm shocked. They probably found him like right before the ending credits. Yeah, missed it. Have you watched uh, Willow Creek? Yes. So you know Bryce Johnson from Willow Creek is the guy who's in Expedition Bigfoot. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's the it's the the lead from the movie is uh, one of the lead guys in Expedition Bigfoot. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, I think it's Bryce Johnson. And they have a podcast too. He's on uh, the Bigfoot Collectors oh, Club. <laughs> you gotta have a podcast now. Yeah, who doesn't, right? These days, you know. So, uh, Will, do you want to go? No, I think you should go. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, 
I don't know if I mentioned last time, but I did watch an animated Batman uh, installment, whatever you want to call it, about 40-ish minutes. Um, it was one of the Dark Knight, uh, Frank Miller-related ones. And you kind of get this tease at the end that the Joker's going to get out of Arkham and go bananas. But he doesn't. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that place has got a revolving door in it. There's no security. <laughs> yeah. Why did they put people in there? Yeah. Because they want them out? I don't know. <laughs> they just want a place point, to stay overnight and three meals a day, and then they leave. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, it's an apartment complex. <laughs> uh, Arkham apartment. <laughs> that's great. Well, um, I'm going to briefly mention one of them without going too deeply into it because it was misrepresented. Uh, I decided I wanted to watch something short this afternoon because I wanted to get ready for the show, but I had a little bit of time. So I watched a 45 ish minute thing called UFOs best evidence ever caught on camera. Best ever in 1997. I should have known when Jonathan Frakes was the narrator that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that when it said in the uh, description on Amazon Prime that it was a 2020 release, that it was just re-released with maybe a slightly different title. Um, so it was a bunch of crap. Uh, everyone they talked to has probably died of old age by now. Uh, but they were like uh, talking to some retired uh, expert from the military and uh, they'd have him standing next to a TV, and you could look at the format of the television and the graininess of the video and just say, this isn't recent. So that was crap. Uh, don't watch that one. <clears throat> I watched uh, Sir No Face, and I thought, what is this? So I kind of read the description, and I thought, this is the supposed only time that somebody's caught a full-body apparition on camera. Uh, and it happened in Australia by a, like a paranormal research team who went to this little thing called uh, Cockatoo Island. And uh, I'll read a review from an IMDb user, and this may explain it better than I could put it into words. Uh, the headline says, it isn't about ghosts. It's about Chad Kalick. All of about three minutes was paranormal anything. The rest was basically Chad Kalick talking about interesting Chad Kalick was... And, uh, or is, and is superimposed over Australian tourism commercial footage. We get it. You know how to film high-speed sequences and play with font titles. <clears throat> and then this user goes on to say, vetoed 50 minutes in, that's 5-0, 50 minutes, by my 10-year-old for being, quote, self-aggrandizing clown shit. <laughs> 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 and he goes on to say, thank God we didn't pay for it. Now... We, we need this time ten rolled on the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he is a professional critic. I would say, yeah, pay that kid because he's a pro. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad. It was interesting, and the people in it were interesting. Um, and I forget the show that Chad Kalick was on, but he was one of those earlier paranormal investigation shows, and. Uh, they all blur together for me at this point, except for the, the one guy who shouts at the ghosts and wants them to like, come at me, bro. That's, <laughs> you know, that guy, but uh, this He's one, a Chad. He's not the Chad. Right. <laughs> as we, as we say, yes, <laughs> he has a hobbit name. I love the fact that he has a hobbit last name. Only, only name I can remember of any of those people. Yeah. 
So um, that one, uh, you know, you could you could pass that one or you could watch that one. But uh, actually, the user says, you know, fast forward to, uh, you know, one hour, 29 minutes or whatever it is. And just watch the actual footage and see if you believe it or not. Is it good? Um, the footage uh, held up to a lot of scrutiny, including the guy who did all of the uh, digital effects for the Transformer movies. And he said, this is not digitally altered anything. This is something that happened on camera. So then they tried to reproduce the, the, very, uh, the very same uh, shot with a human stepping out of this doorway or corner or whatever and then stepping back out of, out of the picture. And um, a person is very sharp looking. This thing was blurry looking. The door frame was sharp, but the thing that stepped into the door frame was blurry. Well, I won't say ethereal, but it was it was not <clears throat> in focus the way a person was when they filmed it. And uh, so it's compelling, but I don't know. Do you build 90 minutes or two hours or whatever around it? Uh, I couldn't. I watched it, but I would say, you know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe you could find it on uh, YouTube or something and just watch that scene and decide for yourself. I'm not convinced that somebody caught a full body apparition on camera. Maybe they had something that they flung into the doorway for a second and pulled it back. I don't know. Uh, more importantly, I watched something from 2017 called Cold Hell, which um, the German title was Die Hülle, which means the hell best I could tell. Uh, this reminded me a lot of the girl with the dragon tattoo, except for there was no like official training that she didn't seek out herself. Uh, it's about a young woman who's uh, from Turkey who is living in Germany or is it Austria? Well, same diff, right? <laughs> so she's a taxi driver. Uh, she's training to be a Thai kickboxer and uh, one of her fares, I believe, either, no, I'm trying to remember, it's been a few days, uh, she witnesses a murder by a vicious serial killer, and then he knows that that she saw no, him. No, a kindly serial killer. No, not, not the gentlemanly. Kindly serial killer. Yeah, not your gentleman serial killer, like you would have in London. Stabbing <laughs> yeah. a prostitute and then helping a man across the street. And then tipping his hat, <laughs> you know. Pardon my ripping. Yes. Pardon my ripping. <laughs> yes. So, this girl um, kicks everybody's ass who steps to her, but uh, a lot of action scenes, there are some car chases that actually fit in. They're not, uh, as Jolien once put it, nonsensical car chases. <laughs> These are totally sensible, sensical car chases. And uh, the fight scenes are great. I, I recommend this one for anyone who wants a more of a thriller. Uh, What's I, this on? I believe this one was on Shudder. Uh, but it was awesome. Yeah, it was... Okay. I believe it was Shudder. It was either Shudder or Prime. Good. <clears throat> yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, then I watched one called 41. And this one is... I believe it was New Zealand. Um, it's a time travel thing. It wasn't the best time travel movie I've ever watched, but it was it was a fun watch. 
Um, but they had uh, a situation where this guy meets up with his own self after uh, after a uh, a talk at the college. I, I would say a lecture from one of his professors about reality and whatnot. Uh, his own self runs up to him outside while he's trying to unlock his bike and tells him not to go over to the, to the such and such motel. So of course he doesn't listen. He goes over there and he sees his ex-girlfriend who works there and he talks to her. And, uh, at some point, I don't think it was right after cause he wasn't on a bike. He was in a car and he offers her a ride. She dies in the, in a crash. Um, he discovers from talking to former or other self that there is a portal in, um, in room 41, I think it is. I think that's why it's called 41. And you go in the bathroom, you pull back the, the tile in the corner and the linoleum, all, or I should say the linoleum, and it peels back and there's a just a hole in the floor you jump through and it's yesterday. So you kind of get a do-over. So you can run immediately to it and jump through it again and go back another day, apparently, by the logic of the film. So... Not the best time travel thing I've ever seen. It's kind of got its own charm, but it tries to be more romantic than than it is thrilling. There's not a whole lot of peril going on. Uh, I'd give it a moderately lukewarm recommend. <laughs> if you're totally into time travel, watch the thing. But uh, it wasn't great. It was all right. The most scary, horrifying thing I watched was The Social Dilemma. This is on Netflix. Uh, it's a docudrama, and it's about the uh, the rise of social media and how the, uh, well, they call it surveillance capitalism and data mining. So there's a lot that goes on, not just with Facebook like you'd expect, or Google like you might suppose, but literally every app on your phone is measuring and, and dealing with your data, your, 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 all of your clicks, all of your likes, all of your searches. And it's not just using this to like pop up ads like, Oh, apparently you need to buy tires for your car or something like that. They, they want to show you more of the things like the things you looked at and they keep doing this. And it's gotten pretty horrifying. It's gotten to the point where the phone keeps you trapped in a loop and you just keep looking and liking and searching and viewing and all the things you do on a phone because they have uh, AI built into these, these websites and these apps that is just beyond what we thought it was like. And... I listened to a podcast series called rabbit hole or the rabbit hole where they talked about how this guy became radicalized by watching YouTube videos. And they interviewed the person who wrote the AI for the, for the, uh, YouTube, uh, platform. It's terrifying. It really is because it, it pulls you further and further in the direction you were kind of maybe curious or accidentally looked at. And all of a sudden people are, um, believing everything they're told and it's crazy it's addictive it's it just makes you want to uh you know take the phone and throw it <laughs> but uh i would say anybody in your life who you feel like is maybe getting a little 
off the deep end, ask them to watch this. And after they do, maybe they examine their life a little more. Uh, it, it's a very recent release. It was uh, September of last year. So it's pretty new on the scene, but I think it's probably trending now. Uh, that uh, and a couple of wintry movies for our wintry three. So that's me. All right. Well, this is it. This week, we finished Deep Space Nine. Oh. Oh, man. Uh, thankfully, it's over. I enjoyed it. Uh, not as much as I remember liking it in the end. I felt there were a lot of filler episodes, as I've complained about. Uh, I did come to realize that uh, uh, Star Trek's got the reputation of being progressive, but in some ways they aren't. Uh, they've never had a gay character or gay couple on the show, although they did have a couple kisses between women because sweeps is a thing. Yep. Um, uh, it's an easy way to get good rating. Um, Anyway, I, I never realized that they did have a gay couple on the show. Miles O'Brien and Dr. Bashir were a great couple. I couldn't stand Miles O'Brien this watch. Uh, I don't know why. He just seemed sort of insufferable. But uh, they, they really play up at the end of the, at the, end of the, uh, the seventh season and the, and the last few shows that Miles and, and Dr. Bashir are like best friends. But it really plays is just a really sweet, uh, you know, same-sex couple. Yeah. <laughs> they kind of bicker with one another like a married couple. And, and it's funny, they even have a scene where they both, uh, they both like have this whole, I'm not gay, uh, kind of, I love my wife. Is what they keep saying. I, well, I love so and so, Doctor Bashir, whoever he's dating, whatever woman. You know, I love you know Ezri or whatever. Uh, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, so I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, I don't normally ship, as people say. Uh, you know, couples and shows. Uh, but but this was a this was good fun. Alright. Yeah. Um, let's see. I watched uh, more episodes of The Expanse. Still pretty good. I, I find myself uh, tuning out, though, occasionally. I think it's just... it's uh, Maybe too much tension at some point becomes... You, you, you have no tension then because they have to keep ratcheting up. I do still enjoy how the characters have to think their way out of situations rather than, say, just shoot their way out or punch their way out. Um, and that they, they often come up with more than just one solution or they will start with a solution and then realize there's an unseen problem with it and have to think of something else. I think that's, it's really smart writing. I just... I've gotten to the point where it's kind of like we're just going and going and going and going and you, you, you kind of uh, 
it, it's too much after a while. You just can't feel anything, you know, at some point. You just don't care. Um, <laughs> I still enjoy the show, and I like the characters, and I want to see where it goes. I just find myself occasionally kind of tuning out lately. It's unfortunate. Um, you know, it's a good show. Uh, I recommend it. It looks great. Um, it's like a, a real contrast between uh, Star Trek and uh, and itself as far as uh, sort of realism goes. Uh, it's space, they obey physics, and so you have a lot of, you know, scenes where uh, space debris, or in the latest episode I watched, a guy forgot to lock down a toolbox, which flew open at, uh, at whatever speeds they get up to, and so tools were flying around haphazardly, stabbing into the walls and breaking stuff, and, uh, you get a lot of that. Uh, it's pretty interesting, though. Um, I tried to watch a movie called Poor Pretty Eddie, based on the uh, description, which was, this is paraphrased, a jazz singer is tormented by a homicidal Elvis impersonator. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. I got about half an hour into it, and it just, it seemed draggy. It didn't seem like it was really uh, going to surprise me in any way. It felt like it was leading up to exactly what it was leading up to. Eddie was going to start killing off this cast of hillbillies and the jazz singer would live to the end. Um, uh, yeah, Shelley Winters was in it. She usually seems to have a good sense of humor about herself. Yeah, uh, I enjoy her in movies. She always is, like willing to play a cranky old drunk. I uh, wonder was she playing that? She playing that up, or was she a cranky old drunk? Uh, <laughs> Just kind of frumpy and cranky and drunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or like, or was she just like really? She knew she was like, this is the kind of character I can get. I'm going to play it up, and I think it's more of the latter because. Oh man, she chews the scenery. Oh, good. So much. much. Uh, It's really great sometimes. Um, Unfortunately, I didn't feel like the rest of the movie was really pulling it. Uh, I felt like it couldn't, it wasn't schlocky enough. It wasn't sort of, I don't know. I don't know. I might go back to it. Um, Uh, I also stopped watching it because I had picked it for the wintry three. And although it takes place in uh, January, I'm guessing maybe early February, it's in the South. Uh, but it has Shelly winter in it. Winter's in it. So, uh... ah, yes. <laughs> I, I imagine that's why it came up. You know, uh, you got I put winter horror movies into <laughs> crime and whatever came up, I went with. So I stopped it and I watched uh, this week's movie, which I don't know if you want me to kick it off or yeah, do it. All right. So I watched a movie from 2020, 2019. 
uh, recent, very recent, last year or so, uh, called Winter Skin. Winter Skin. Um, this was produced, written, and directed by one man, which just tells you at this point he's not smart enough to spread the blame around. <laughs> um, you know, get some other people in there. You can at least get... It was the editor. He fucked it up. Uh, <laughs> it was Glenn Danzig. Not my fault. Not my fault. I had a bad script. Uh, uh, anyway... This is a movie where it's sort of a fantastic, it doesn't seem like it's set in the real world. I'm not really sure what time period it's set. Um, it opens like Demon Wind, which is, you know, a good sign. Yeah, well, in yeah. that uh, <laughs> something's going on and something's trying to get into a cabin. There's a uh, family in there, mom, dad, and two boys. One about maybe 15 and the other about 10. Um, something's breaking in with a hatchet. And Dad yells, get my axe. I guess he doesn't have a gun. He has an axe. And then stuff happens. And Dad is shot. Mom is shot. The little boys get into a cellar. And... I don't know, one of the boys is shot and then you get a cold open with winter skin. And it cuts to this guy who I thought was maybe the youngest boy grown up. Uh, he's walking around in the woods with some uh, man in a big long fur coat with beards and long hair, which seems to be the style in this film for any man middle-aged and older uh anyway they're wandering around the woods i'm not really sure what they're doing they say they're deer hunting later but it, they don't have any weapons you don't really i don't know what's going on uh <laughs> the boy goes to the younger man a boy he's in his 20s i'm guessing he goes to a cabin and he knocks on the door and someone inside shoots it and then he passes out and he wakes up, and he's in the cabin with an older woman who's, uh, I'm not sure how old she's supposed to be um, because she's a Hollywood actress, so she's probably in her 40s, but they want you to believe she's in her 80s because of that <laughs> just sexist crap that goes on in these movies. Uh, anyway, she's nutty, and she's kind of got him in a misery sort of situation in that she's trapped him there. He can't leave on his bad leg, although he only intermittently uh, remembers to hobble on it. Sometimes he walks fine. Depends on what the scene requires. Yeah. Um, anyway, <clears throat> uh, her name is Agnes. Uh, I don't remember the boy's name. Uh, it's not important. She torments him over the course of this movie. He lets her poor dog out at some point after she has informed him that there's something outside trying to get in at night. Um, and that leaves red footprints in the snow. She's seen it. It was a skinless man. Oh. And uh, you saw this briefly at the beginning, uh, right before the cold opened. 
uh, although you didn't really know what you were looking at at the time. Uh, so he foolishly lets the dog out, and she finds it the next day, and it's been skinned, and if you're on uh, Does the Dog Die, this movie's clearly on there because it has a fake skinned dog that she hauls around for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> and it's back and forth. Uh, the actress really chews the scenery nicely, but just not enough. It's, it just didn't, I don't know, it lacks something. I'm not quite sure. Uh, it seemed a little mean-spirited, but in a sort of unearned way. No. I'm not sure. I have to ask, does the... Does the wintry weather, the snow and the cold, does it play a role in uh, the peril? Yes. Okay, not just the skinless yes, man. He can't. He can't leave, even though. I mean, he has a gunshot wound in his leg, and mainly he can't leave because there's three feet of snow outside. And wherever they filmed it, there really was three feet of snow. Wow. And they did a really nice job of the outside scenes. And it felt cold. It felt cold in the cabin, but they had this red light flickering on the actors. It was supposed to be the fire. Uh, it didn't look at all real. It looked <laughs> like she was maybe in a discotheque. That there was a flashing red light. I think you could probably time it to a beat if you were clever enough. To edit this uh it, it was a little distracting it was also the, like the wrong sort of solid red tint that fire doesn't have right fire has kind of a it, it's not just one solid color it flickers but it's also not you know this looked like a red light flashing on and off you know would be down in the corner of the room to one side in every scene yeah. Um, the uh, the boy finds the radio going through his searches. It's been busted up. He sneaks it upstairs, works on it at night. He also steals some bullets from her. He attempts to shoot her at some point, but she had taken the gunpowder out of the bullets because it's been the psychological back and forth, and she's always one step ahead. And then she cuts off all his fingers, and then he, I don't know, and some <laughs> hunters show up. She, she's incapacitated some way. Uh, some hunters from his party, his dad's party, show up. Um, they're all dispatched in one way or another in a sort of comical fashion, which was almost... Uh, almost enjoyable in the film that it, it showed a little something like, Ooh, this is kind of dark humor. Whereas the rest of it, it seemed like it wanted to be real serious, but also sort of nasty. I mean, do I want to watch that? I don't know. It wasn't really torture porn, but I don't know. There's also only two characters. So it's real important that you like at least one of them, or you like them, even the villain enough that they play off one another, but it wasn't enough of that dynamic. 
it was always Agnes was always a step ahead and she's nuts and you find out she likes to skin people and uh, that's what the things out in the woods were twist and I'm spoiling it because this is a shit movie and you don't have to watch it um, all right turns out that and at some point one of these skin demon men get in and and the guy kills it and then you find out that was his father and she had caught him in the woods and skinned him and somehow they stay alive i don't understand that huh. the filmmaker didn't make it i thought it was going to be witchcraft i thought she was a witch but no she's just a crazy woman that likes to skin people and uh, so the friends of dad come in and they're dispatched in a sort of comical Sam Raimi sort of way that was, like I said, probably the <clears throat> most entertaining part of the movie. It was kind of like, oh my God, this is crazy. And, uh, and then they fight some more and I don't know, she's killed. He finally shoots her. I don't know what happened. I don't care. It just sort of uh, faded I, oh, off. I think she was shot with a shotgun that one of the hunters had brought. He was able to shoot that. And then it ends, and you're like, I wasted 90 minutes of my time. Um, and then I, I didn't see anything else that was uh, free, that fit wintry, the wintry criteria Are you that going- I hadn't already seen. Are you guys thinking maybe we can't do this one more year? Yeah. I was thinking we need to switch it to like summer or yeah, uh, another season. Like we could do summer like movies that, uh, not quite a horror movie, but just off the top of my head. Predator 2 is set in this like big heat wave. You could pick things like that. You could pick Summer Sam. Right? You know, just yeah. Just things off the top of my head. Uh it's getting to be a struggle to find one that fits the criteria and doesn't suck. Oh yeah. Well, the doesn't suck was like thrown out a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So clearly not a recommend. No. Okay. Jolien, do you want to go next? Yeah. Cause uh, going on from that, I spent a good, uh, at least an hour going through every film I had, every streaming service, every online thing, looking for a wintry movie that we hadn't talked about or looked interesting. And one of the ones I saw an ad for was uh, Winter Skin. And, uh, you know, if it's a 2020 movie that I haven't heard of before, I, I just don't tend to click on them they, they yeah. usually just like boring high movie level things made for sci-fi kind of quality <laughs> yeah or at best um so uh yeah i i uh i watched uh, avalanche express from 1979 um this is like a cold war movie uh you got lee, lee marvin in it uh linda evans maximilian shell uh, Robert Shaw, uh, and it's got some uh, horror movie um, credentials in there because the director is Mark Robson, who uh, started out in the Val Luton unit, and uh, 
uh, he he directed the seventh victim, Isle of the Dead, Bedlam, The Ghost Ship. Uh, then he went on to like more mainstream films, like he did the the bridges at Tokori. Uh, and uh, it's also got David Hess in it as a terrorist. Uh, David Hess, you'll know from Last House on the Left and uh, writing songs that Elvis did. Anyway, uh, it's also got uh, Joe Namath in it, uh, Mike <laughs> Connors in it, uh, who was in Mannix. Yeah. Um, this uh, uh, this movie came out in 1979, and the director and one of the lead actors died during production. Uh, they both had heart attacks, so Mark Robson and uh, Robert Shaw both died. So they had to be uh, they couldn't do any ADR, and you know, uh, other people had to fill in for them. Um, it's a real mess. Uh, it starts off as like a you know fairly average Cold War thriller, and then it just goes, uh, <laughs> it just gets um, more and more random. Uh, it's got some really poor miniature work on the trains, um, uh, but that was quite charming. Uh, it's uh, really contrived, but what they what happens is Robert Shaw plays a Russian spymaster who knows that there's this uh, network throughout Europe. And they've got uh, a biological warfare um, campaign ready to go. Uh, it's called Winter, Winter something. But anyway, uh, so the the CIA, led by Lee Marvin, uh, snatches him away, bundles him onto this train, and uh, the idea is that uh, if they take the train instead of just flying out of Europe, on the way the uh, all the agents that have been very deep in Europe are going to come out of the woodwork, go after him. And that, that way they'll round up all the, the uh, network. Um, it's a completely irresponsible plan because, uh, you know, they're on this public train. And uh, so every every now and then a whole, uh, several carloads of terrorists will turn up with machine guns and just gun the hell out of this train. And uh, uh, then they, you know, they fight back and then move on. Uh, and then uh, um, uh, the, the big avalanche scene is when these, uh, uh, these these Russian agents set off these huge avalanches in the, the Swiss Alps, and uh, the train's got to outrun it and try and get into a tunnel. Um, so they, uh, uh, in the course of this, this uh, Swiss village just gets wiped out. As <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a good good scene but it's like oh well i hope that was worth it um so it, um it, it was a nice bit of armchair traveling you know you get to see switzerland and bits of italy and the netherlands and so on and, um it's uh, it's it's not as it's not classy like the lady vanishes or uh, from rush with love if you want good like spies and trains films and it's not as sick as uh, uh, there's one called uh, the Cassandra Crossing, which is just nuts. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, they just throw everything in it. It's like there's this train with all these like uh, Ava Gardner's on it and Sophia Loren's on the train, and and there's all the terrorists. There's also this uh, play gets set off, and there's this bridge that's going to collapse. There's, they just throw everything in it. It's yeah. Really wow. fun. 
Um, that's the Cassandra Crossing, but um, yeah, this this one's a, a mess with with a, a good cast. Um, so uh, I, I enjoyed it, but I'm not saying it's 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 good. <laughs> yeah, so turning the train into an espionage magnet is uh, yeah yeah that's that's a that's a good move for sure. <laughs> that you 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 laugh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that would be a total CIA plan, a yeah. real CIA plan, because some of their plans were nuts. <laughs> Right, oh, yeah, right. especially like stuff they did in the 60s. I mean, you you swear those guys could fuck up a one-car funeral. But Oh, yeah, you watch the opening scenes of this film where they're, they're uh, tra- transferring the secret tape from one agent to another, and there's this whole chain of events that have to be perfectly timed for them to end up with this tape. And you think, no, no, right. <laughs> we're, we're into fantasy land right here. Yeah. It should, oh, yeah. it should be easier than that. <laughs> I kind of want to watch that one. But the, the, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's quite fun. But the other one, the Cassandra Crossing, sounds even better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bigger <laughs> event recommending that one. Cool. Uh, uh, I think it's George Cosmatos did that one. Oh, nice. Um, did you... Uh, did you say this was not exactly a recommend? I mean, how do you, where do you land on it? Uh, if you, uh, well, it, it, it was all right. Cause like, uh, it, it reminded me of traveling around Europe and, you know, you get to watch some nice locations and I always enjoy badly done miniatures and, uh, you know, uh, a big name cast in a bad movie. It's, it's always entertaining. Yeah. yeah. yeah I like disaster movies. Very 70s. Oh yeah. You know, the, with the, that, that sort of cast. Right. Um, yeah, and this is uh, Mark Robson's done some excellent films. Uh, and after he died, uh, it was left up to um, other, other people, like uh, Monty Hellman did a bit of work on it to try and put it together. Yeah, the Seventh Victim is a good film. Oh, yeah, terrific. Yeah, all, I like that one. All his Loon films are excellent. Yeah, uh, Isle of the Dead. And it, um, yeah, which, um, I really like uh, The Bridges at Toko Ri. Um, I've not seen that. It's this Korean war movie. Uh, I think it's William Holden. But anyway, it's focused on this uh, pilot, and he's he's one of the older pilots in the unit. And uh, but they've got this mission where they've got to go deep into North Korea and take out these bridges. And it's uh, these. Uh, it's basically like the Death Star. There's this valley that they've got to fly through at low altitude and, and hit these bridges precisely. And it's basically a suicide mission. There's no way they're coming back from this thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can tell he's got this... Uh, he's learned how to convey uh, terror without being on the nose about it. So a lot of the film is actually him. Uh, he's... You know, he's behind the lines. He's, you know, they have like time off in Japan and so on. But there's this building terror of him having to go off on this mission uh, and having to deal with it. And it's got some great scenes wow. in scenes in it where he has to confront his own. You know, can I do this? Um, Sounds good. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. You know, right. I got to say that uh, the late seventies. Uh, the, the TV show, The Love Boat, was like the perfect 
allegory for everything that was happening in entertainment at the time because you you put this ensemble cast of people who are either past their prime or completely washed up uh, need the money otherwise they wouldn't be doing a show like this and you put them onto this uh, boat where they have to go through all the uh, all the motions of a total cookie cutter plot and everything turns out a certain way at the end. And it's like, there's so many movies that were like the love boat version of a, a spy movie or, you know, whatever love stories. Um, the, the uh, disaster films were great for that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, who's past their prime. Uh, can we get them cheap enough? Put them in this star studded cast, ensemble cast, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not saying they're they're, they're bad. I know some of my favorite performances by these these actors are in these those films. Sure. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Ernest Borgnine, uh, Shelley Winters in Poseidon Adventure. I'm oh, sure. Just yeah. Say Shelley Winters uh, in Poseidon Adventure. Ava Gardner in Earthquake is really good. Yeah. Probably the first first movie I saw was Shelley Winters. <laughs> the Poseidon yeah. Adventure. The biggest crime is probably that the movies are contrived. You know, there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, moving a plot forward with devices you need to and having good performances from good actors. But yeah, but yeah, the, the whole the whole notion of most of them is pretty contrived. Yeah, but as I said the other week about something we watched, it does what it says on the box. <laughs> right. you know, earthquake delivers with an earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Towering Inferno delivers with the Towering oh, Inferno. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, the, yeah. S- <laughs> the spoiler is in the title. <laughs> the Poseidon Adventure sequel. <laughs> uh, well, shall I go? Shall okay. I- yeah, I okay, so. let's do this. Um, <laughs> we, we're doing well this week. <laughs> I think, we, you know what? This is great because we all managed to find something. And say, all right, we did it. Scraping away at the barrel. Yeah, we're not. Prom- yeah. We're not promising to do this again one more year. <laughs> this may be. I'm kind of thinking we should now. <laughs> Maybe we should <laughs> see how much bottom of barrel there is still left. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick one of the two I watched because one of them that I watched, I thought, oh, it's got to be better than the other one. <laughs> and uh, a, it really. It was in some ways, um, but it didn't deliver on the winter part of it being the uh, any sort of the peril, any sort of the menace that you'd want it to be. So I think in doing this, especially the first time around when we had this abundance of movies to pick from, you know, like Dead Snow and uh, 30 Days of Night and The Shining yeah, and things like Horror that. Yeah, Express, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you leave the scene of where you're being terrorized, you're just going to get killed by the snow and the cold. So mm-hmm. that's no escape route. You pretty much have to stay and deal with the thing. So uh, one of these movies did that more than the other. And the one I'll talk about was called The Children. Now, this is a 2008 movie. Right. Uh, are you familiar with this one? Yes. Uh, okay. So. British. Horror. Yeah. It was directed by Tom Shankland, um, written by Paul Andrew Williams and Tom Shankland, and uh, starring some people who I was not familiar with. Now, the opening scene of this, 
I'm thinking, well, were this in America, this girl would have a Ramones t-shirt and sneak in a cigarette. But um, I, I, I assume the character is supposed to be 16 or 17. So this is mom and stepdad to this, to this teen girl uh, taking the family for Christmas at um, the aunt and uncle's house. I think it's mom's sister and her husband. And uh, both of these families have like two or three small children. I quit counting. I mean, I quit uh, worrying about it because I figured they were all cannon fodder. Uh, and I'm going to call, I'm going to call something into question here. I'm going to, I'm going to take issue with something that I think is a thing. And it's something that rubs me the wrong way. And uh, tell me if you guys agree. Um, well, I'll get to that eventually. Okay, so with the, so you you you're looking <laughs> so you're looking at this as like okay, based on a suspense device, <laughs> right? Yes, I use that for total suspense. Um, now this movie is is not terrible in the sense that it is um, competently lensed, competently written in the sense that you know the dialogue is almost believable and uh, the acting for the most part is pretty competent as well. And I'm, I'm not hating the movie. In fact, it's got some good qualities about it as far as how some of the stuff is set up. Uh, the suspense is supposed to be that when, when are the kids going to turn evil and start trying to murder the parents? Because you're kind of promised that in the trailer or the description. However you found this movie, you're told that they're going to go for a Christmas vacation and they're going to be cooped up during winter in, in England and some kids are going to want to try and kill the parents. It's some kind of virus, isn't it? Yes. It turns out that it's a virus because we get some vomiting, um, which, you know, you can't get enough vomiting in movies. Uh, uh -huh. The smallest children seem to get sick and crazy the first. And then maybe, I don't know, maybe with age, you're more resistant to it. Or maybe it's contagious if you got near the vomit or touched it or whatever. Um, now, I really enjoyed the fact that uh, outside while they were getting some bags out of the car or something. The uh, teen daughter says something to the mom about, uh, well, because you married a knob, <laughs> she refers to her stepdad as a knob. I thought that was great. And he's not a bad guy, but he's, he's sort of uh, a little pretentious maybe. And uh, he's trying to teach the littlest kid Mandarin because that's his thing for business as he speaks Chinese and, uh, they're all kind of settling in. Now you get a bad vibe off of the, um, the uncle at the house. Cause you think, Oh, is he kind of perving on this teenage girl? Um, the actor is probably 21. So she's, you know, you don't have to feel bad about wondering why she's wearing what she's wearing and casting eyes on her because, you know, she's actually legally an adult old enough to drink and everything. Um, but it doesn't stop there. Like all of the women in the movie seem to just be like, let's go sledding. It's the next day and it's sunny, but there's a, you know, a foot of snow. Let's go sledding with the kids. And it seems like, um, in the, uh, mid two thousands, this was in 2008. Uh, there, there was like the two tank top layering and then an open sweater kind of thing going on. You know, there would be a tank top and another tank top. And, uh, but, a lot of uh, low plunging neckline stuff, open sweater, uh, 
you know, cute uh, knit hat. Uh, are you not freezing? Why can't I see anyone's breath? What is going on here? <laughs> right. I, I feel no peril from the snow, although there's plenty of it. And there's even sledding. Um, yeah, no one's really dressed for the weather. And uh, the first outfit the teenage daughter's wearing is like, whatever. But then day two, she's wearing a like a denim mini skirt and thigh-high stockings and like a, a bare midriff uh, shirt of some sort and then an open sweater or coat. Apparently everyone's impervious to the cold. Uh, they almost, almost do something pervy with the uncle and then they kind of pull back on that. They, you know, there's something that's sort of angling toward that and then they get interrupted. And I was thinking, all right, well, um, they're a little timid on, on, uh, getting inappropriate. They just wanted to get inappropriate enough to make you uncomfortable. Uh, meanwhile, the kids are just kind of all playing together and doing whatever they do, but one of them's getting sick and vomiting and starting to look weird. And that progresses. What I want to call into question is, are movies using autistic kids in uh, an unethical way? Not that the actor is autistic, but a character who, who is autistic. Let's say the Babadook. That kid is you know, clearly, um, presented as an autistic kid, you know, he just kind of gets the wild eyed look and starts yelling and can't stop yelling and that kind of thing. And it makes the audience want that kid killed off in the plot. I think that's really unfair because it requires a lot of patience from the parents and a lot of, uh, thoughtful, um, dealings and doings that, uh, even if the characters in the movie are doing it, they're putting that kid in your face and they always have like a unkempt mop of hair and they're always like just screaming or banging on something. And this kid's banging on a xylophone, like to the point where it's like, all right, I'm going to mute this. I can't do this any longer. Uh, what are your feelings on that? I just got to ask you guys to weigh in. Is, is this becoming a thing or am I imagining this? No, I can see that it can be sort of end up being sort of exploited seeming. Yeah, it is. It, uh, it feels like an exploitation. Perhaps a tad irresponsible. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, this sort of thing crops up in movies. If a character has a certain trait or affliction, in this case, uh, and it's popular, it, uh, other people want to want to do that to uh, kind of you know ride on that popularity I think and then it becomes oversaturated and that's when the problem arises if it was just that one time that the this is just an example uh, the gay counselor killed some people in the movie but because it sort of becomes emulated and there's other bullshit in society uh, underlying this, it's not all movies, but it's feeding movies are feeding into it, and it's feeding into movies. Um, you know, it just becomes sort of a trophy thing that you know, people, somebody eventually has to say, "Oh, let's stop doing that." Yeah. This isn't how autistic kids are? They're not all geniuses communicating with. Uh, aliens or like 
hand banging, uh, uh, I don't know, moron. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this is this is a uh... not the correct term there. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have been that passionate about something. Ended oh. it so horribly. I apologize. <laughs> Well, no, but but that does, but that is how it reads, and it is yeah. un, it is unfair, and and I don't I don't think you know to characterize how it's being done in the movie is is your fault. <laughs> no, but I could have been more sensitive with my word choice, is what I'm saying. Right, I didn't have to be, you know, and with that, uh, you know, but whatever. But maybe it's fine with. Um, uh, Danny Torrance, uh, he seems to, uh, other adults might see him as autistic. We know he's psychic. Right. But uh, I, I don't find him annoying at all. Right. Um, no, I don't find him annoying. He, I think, may read to uh, modern audiences as autistic. I don't think in 81 he would have read that way. I think he would have just read as like, oh, he's a weird kid. But that's that I mean, I guess that would be the definition back then. You know, oh, he's a weird kid. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I, I find that's it, how it, they described autistic kids. Is what I'm saying. It, it makes um, it's is makes it more difficult when it's a killer kid movie. Yeah. Because yeah. you know that where this movie's heading is adults having to use lethal force against children. Yes, or they or they will be killed. Yeah, by the children. I don't. And uh, so that's that's where it's headed. So if you have a if you have children who are uh, annoying in in some way, uh, it seems to be adding to the uh, Russian now for them being yeah uh, killed off. I don't think that was necessarily the problem with the the Babadook kid, though. I think that simply. Uh, was an annoying kid. I think he was just, even if he wasn't written as autistic, I think just the way he was written was annoying. I don't think there was any way you could get around that. It, that's what made it right. hard watching was how he was so annoying. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's not a killer kid movie. There's like no, a and that's not a killer kid movie. coming in. You know, I think the other problem with that is it was a uh, thin material stretched too far. Yeah. yeah I still it, like to watch the short because I think that movie could work. Oh, as a short, totally uh, it would. Yeah. And and honestly, uh, if the kid doesn't somehow uh, advance the plot or or his, his condition work as a mechanism to do something different with the plot, then uh, all you're doing is... is uh, Agitating the audience and and uh, not really doing anything positive with it, you know. We're we're supposed to just uh, you know blithely you know gallop along with this plot and and think it's going to do something, and then it uh, it turns out the the kid could have been any other kind of kid, and uh, and the supernatural thing could have done whatever it was going to do. But, uh, but that's another movie entirely. This one, yes, all the kids end up trying to kill the parents and the parents have to kill them to survive if they can bring themselves to do it. And um, there is some of them, uh, well, the uh, 
potentially pervy uncle does does get killed by a toboggan full of uh, garden tools, I believe, slashes his face and neck open, perhaps. Uh, there's so much blood, I can't tell exactly what got cut on him. I, I wanted to say it was the side of his face and the top of his head, but maybe it clipped his neck while they were at it. Um, and he's not going to make it pretty clearly. There's so much blood on the snow. And uh, his wife's trying to, like, stop the bleeding. And, the, you know, the kids are just still trying to do some killing. Uh, there's a greenhouse uh, full of, you know, all kinds of sharp things and then some broken glass and some tools. So there's no shortage of ways this can go wrong. And uh, and uh, uh, to be honest with you, I lose track of how it happened. But the teenage girl does end up upstairs, locked in a room, trying to just be safe. And it seems like her aunt or her mom, whichever one it was, I think it was her aunt, doesn't trust her that she isn't also a killer kid. So she's not going to get out of there safely, but then there's a couple killer kids coming for the ant and they're going to get her. And, um, you know, with six kids, I lose track of which one was which and which got killed first. But, uh, in the end, the, uh, the dad tries to take one of the kids who's slightly injured and take her away and get her to a hospital and just on top of her being sick, I think she has some injury or another. And of course she's evil. She's not just, you know, sick, but she's evil. So, uh, later on when we see the other two trying to escape, they see the car off the road and now not just these killer kids, but some, uh, and he's catapulted through the windshield and lying in the snow dead somewhere. Uh, then there's, uh, kids coming out of the woods, not just the kids that we know, but, uh, Apparently all the kids from the area have all sort of started to band together and converge, which uh, I think is a good setup for a sequel, but I don't know that I really want to watch it unless they can let us see their breath and in uh, a little more danger from the snow. There's, but, a, there's an American one from the 80s also called The Children, which has a similar sort of uh, thing going on. Yeah. Um, you might might like to check out you know th that seems uh and i'm gonna actually glance over at a uh uh synopsis over here um oh yeah yeah, yeah the, I mean, the daughter gets yeah. back into the car and it turns out she's getting looks on her face like she's turning evil too yes and we yes. did we did see her vomit so um i i will say this gets a, a moderate recommend from me uh i say go ahead and watch it it's it does all the stuff, but it's, it's a little formulated and it's, <laughs> I could believe it a little better. I mean, with your zoom background, Jolien, I believe you're in the snow more than I believe the people in this movie were in the snow. <laughs> if you want to see another, uh, killer kid in the snow movie, I recommend uh, devil times five. Oh, okay. How is it? Oh, yeah, so, I almost watched that one. Yeah. Can you tell us a little about it? Uh, it's a, a mountain, I think. It's a resort. And there's five kids who go on this kill spree. But they're able to hide everything because they're just kids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Killer kids in the snow. Yeah. Did you yeah, see... Then, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, the earliest... 
That's the only other wintry one I can think of. Okay. Uh, I think the earliest movie will be The Bad Seed, wouldn't it? In the early 50s. Probably. Yeah. And there was one in the mid-50s called The Gamma People, which is not a killer kid movie, but there's this village. And uh, and then there's a group of kids in it who are quite murderous um, for uh, science fictional reasons. And then, of course, you've got Village of the Damned in 1960. Yes. Uh, and then in uh, the 60s, you've got Our Mother's House, uh, I'm probably forgetting a bunch. Um, but that's directed by the same guy who did uh, The Innocents. So uh, another mysterious kid movie <laughs> par excellence. Uh, and then in the 70s, you've got Who Can Kill a Child, which is yeah. my favorite one. <laughs> I like uh, it. And that's not that's not wintry. That's a summer one. No, that is fun, yeah. Okay. That, that, that kind of takes the opposite uh, approach that, like you are saying, uh, to the annoying kid, you got uh, where they're an extremist and they get cornered, and then you've got this uh, this this cute little kid who comes up and he's he's apparently really nice and and wants to help them. So that's the, like the opposite kind of thing. He's like he's so not annoying; it's sinister. Oh, <laughs> polite to a fault, Char- yes. charming to a fault. Have I have either one of you seen Cold Prey two? Yes. Is, does it suck? No, it's the it's basically the Halloween two the series. It's uh, well, they they it's an immediate sequel. They go to the hospital and he tracks uh, his body's taken to the hospital. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I could go for that maybe for next year. Sure. We could do, we could just call it the wintry one instead of the wintry. Three. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if we could think of three good, good enough movies. Well, actually, I was told uh, uh, that there's this uh, series. I think it's on HBO called The Head. It's like a, one of the Scandinavian miniseries. Okay. And it's like uh, you've got a thing sort of situation. There's some kind of research center out in the cold wastes, and uh, something has gone wrong, and a team is sent in to see what happens. Uh, but I, I'm not able to see it. So uh, hopefully, it'll come out some way that I can see it before next year. Yeah. Right. Well, well, this uh, this really seems like we we all found something that uh, fit the bill, uh, <laughs> somewhat at least. And uh, guys, I got to ask you both before before we you know really kind of wrap it up. Has the sub zero weather has the like dangerously cold temperatures uh, affected your lives other than just having to stay indoors for a few days? Not really. I have to sweep the pavements. That's it. Yeah. Um, for me, I had to deal with uh, trying to keep the uh, koi pond from doing anything. I've only learned about koi ponds in the last uh, several months. And one thing is, yes, the koi do hibernate. Uh, they just need enough water. Doesn't matter if it gets cold. Well, it turns out that the uh, the pump that pumps up to the waterfall was pumping water up to where it would freeze and not come back down. And so you pretty much have to decide, do you disconnect it and maybe the hose is going to burst or, and have to keep dumping buckets of water into the situation? Well, it got to the point where dumping buckets of water wasn't enough. It was freezing it faster than I could fill it. So we had to shut off the waterfall and uh, chop a hole in the ice and 
bring the level of the pond up so the hopefully the koi live to see spring. And that was my that was the worst thing for me was like not getting me killed while trying to stop the koi from getting killed. And uh, you know, keeping an eye on the dogs. You know, we got three little dogs that uh they're little paws will freeze if they're outside for more than a few minutes. And that's a that's a big danger, but it's annoying more than anything. Yeah. So uh, well, uh, we already gave our recommends or not recommends on the movies. Um, Jolien, you're up next. Uh, did you pick anything for next week yet? Uh, what are we? St. Patrick's Day is middle of next month, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I found a, an Irish one for that. Cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay. Uh, there's some, there's some films I want to watch on, uh, Shudder. Um, uh, they've got the hosters on there and they've got both versions of queen of black magic are on there. Cool. Uh, so I shall be watching at least one of those and, uh, letting you know. All right. Yeah. When we get to the St. Patrick's, uh, the Irish horror episode, uh, Banshee pavement is actually called Banshee blacktop. And that's why it wasn't coming up when I searched. <laughs> well, you know, in, in England, you call the sidewalk, the pavement. Yes. And here, pavement and blacktop are interchangeable terms, okay. as is asphalt. So uh, that's, I got it mixed up, but uh, I, found, I found that one. So that's going to probably be my Irish horror choice. Uh, so, that, but that's a month away ish. Um, anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. That's it. Cool. Well, good to see you guys. I, I hope that uh, when it warms up to a, uh, to a balmy 20 degrees uh, <laughs> that you guys will go out and get some sunshine. Not me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, probably out of the question. Well, guys, uh, thanks for doing this one more year with the uh, wintry three. We'll see if we can do it again. <laughs> sure. And listeners, thank you for listening. Yeah, the more.